This edition of Farming the Countryside is brought to you by Pivot Bioproven. Get what you paid for. The nitrogen that stays put, whether or not. Learn more at pivotbio.com. Welcome to Farming the Countryside. I'm Andrew McRae. It's time to check in with Chip Flory to discuss the continued run-up in many commodity prices. What are the root causes driving the market higher, and how long might we stay at these levels? What are the impacts for grain and livestock producers and consumers as well? Those items and more are our topic for this week's Farming the Countryside. It's brought to you by Pivot Bioproven. In 2020, I had the chance to use a new corn nitrogen product firsthand in my fields, Pivot Bioproven. Pivot Bioproven adheres to the root of the corn plant creating a mutually beneficial nitrogen-generating partnership that stays strong all the way through harvest. It's the weather-resistant and sustainable way to achieve more predictable, more productive yields than ever before. After a successful trial run in 2020, I hope you'll follow me on an expanded use of Pivot Bioproven in the 2021 growing season. In fact, I just used Pivot Bioproven a week ago and the corn is starting to spike through the ground right now. If you're like me and want to make sure your corn has the nitrogen it needs, whether or not, then check out Pivot Bioproven. It'll change the way you think about nitrogen. You can learn more at pivotbio.com. Chip Flory is a regular guest on our show, and I thought it was time to have him back as we've seen grain prices continue to push higher. We are now at some price levels that have not been seen since 2012, and we are hitting these prices without a major crop failure in this country. What are the factors behind the price gains, and how long might we stay at these levels? How do these prices affect livestock producers? How can farmers and ranchers use the markets to capture profits now and down the road? Those are some of the questions on my mind, and Chip and I discuss what we're seeing in the current global ag economy. Chip Flory is my guest. We talk to Chip regularly here on Farming the Countryside, and I thought it was a good time to get Chip back here because I think we we always have plenty to talk about, Chip. But uh, yeah, <laughs> these these prices continue to go higher every time we we talk. It seems like they're a little bit higher, but uh, they continue yeah. to move higher. Isn't that right? Yeah, absolutely. When the, when we get to seven dollar corn, it's probably time to have a conversation, Andrew. <laughs> that, that is right. So you know, every time we visit, I usually start you off with a question I've been thinking about for a while. So here's here's okay. my question I've been thinking about. It's kind of a multiple choice of, of sorts. So let's think about the corn and beans. I mean, yeah, we're over seven dollar corn, over sixteen dollar soybeans right now. So as we think about how we got here. Give me then the percentages. Is it South American weather? Is it North American weather? Is it China? Is it this COVID economy? How would you divide it out and tell me what has pushed us to these levels now? You know, you almost have to draw some horizontal lines on the price chart, okay? okay. And that the 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 first move that we had that started back in August, uh, take us into November. That's probably, you know what? This 2020 corn crop, bean crop, isn't exactly what we thought it was. You get past November, now you start to throw on some Chinese demand. And that Chinese demand really played a big role right up until the last month or so. But April, Andrew, I think so much of it had to do with, okay, 
that 2020 crop wasn't quite what we thought it was. Look at all the demand that's come into the corn and soybean markets. And now let's throw on top of it South America and the, and the production problems that they're having with that Safrina corn crop. So, I mean, it uh, the, the last 70 cents in corn has probably been because of the problems that they are having in, in South America. Maybe the last dollar in soybeans, just uh, uh, kind of a, a following uh, effect that, that beans have had. And then on top of all of that, Andrew, um, you know, what was it, the end of March, first part of April, when the position limits for the professional trading funds increased 70 percent and there were days there were days in april uh andrew that it felt like the funds were were kind of testing it out and all of a sudden they'd say you know what i i can buy more i'm not up against my limit it's almost like they had a new toy and they were figuring out how to play with it andrew (laughs) and and off it went off it went. So how much of this then is based on some of those expansions that we've been able to see in the markets versus yeah. the fundamentals? I mean, the fundamentals usually are always there to some extent, but are right. what kind of territory are we in right now? Yeah, it, yeah. The, the limit move that we had in corn and soybeans mid-month, I think we can look straight at the professional trading funds, and that was the day that, that – um, um, that, like I said, they they figured out exactly what their new powers are in this market, and I, I it the 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 funds and the position limits, it it that's underlying all the fundamentals, and and a big part of the reason for that is we're always looking for who is the buyer in the market, who is the seller in the market, and right now. I, I can't identify a seller in the market, really, Andrew. I, there's there's some old crop corn that is moving, and that's creating some selling, but the commercials aren't aggressively selling in the old crop contracts. They're not aggressively selling in the new crop contracts. So th- th- what that tells me is that the amount of coverage that farmers have put on for the, and I'm talking about specifically in the cash market, but the amount of sales that they've made in the cash market on that 2021 crop are very light, very light, because the commercials just have not shown up as a big seller. Now, if you don't have that natural seller in in a market and you get even even small doses of a willing buyer, crazy stuff happens and we we've seen crazy stuff in in corn soybeans and wheat over the last 30 45 days so if we're in this crazy stuff type of market those tend to go up there and spike are we riding the spike and ready to ride it back down pretty soon or is there enough fundamentals underneath us to keep us at a a certain price level for a while yeah good question uh and one that that uh you know, I'm going to be chicken on, and I'm not going to give you much of an answer on it because so much of it depends on the weather. Uh, if 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 we have, if the dry conditions that we've got in areas of the Corn Belt, and and it's not just northern production areas, uh, there there are some spots that 
are looking for rain in the eastern areas. Um, uh, they're, they're, it's not just northwest production areas, although North Dakota, South Dakota, Minnesota, northwest Iowa. Well, you know what? All of northern Iowa uh, and and into areas of, of Nebraska as well, they were really dry in those areas. Now, with the problems in South America, with the amount of demand that we still have in the marketplace, uh a a less than perfect growing season is going to have a positive effect on corn prices, even with the Dece knocking on the door at six bucks. It would still be price supportive. Now, if if we would run into a situation where we where, where instead of seeing 180, I'll just I'm just going to round USDA's uh, trendline yield. If instead of having 180 bushel corn. We have 170 bushel corn for a national average yield. <laughs> that that starts to get very, very dynamic in this market again, and and uh, you, you you can't rule out a move to all time highs in a in a scenario like that. Uh, you just can't. And if if we're going to make a move to a, to a new all time high with the amount of participation that we've got from the professional trading funds with the amount of money that is just circulating through the economy you you got to wonder how much more of that would come on to the commodity markets um if if we make a new all-time high it's not going to be by a couple of cents it might be by a buck and a half is, is what it might be well, and those all-time highs, we'd be going back to 2012. Would that be our all-time yeah. highs? Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, I mean, you put a buck and a half on those all-time, all-time highs, and you'd be, uh, we'd we'd be bumping right up against ten-dollar corn, and it, it just it, that seems so stupid to even suggest it, Andrew, because of the demand destruction that it would cause out there. But when at, at some point, at some point. We, we've got to move some of those packer profits back over to, into the feed yard and keep those guys feeding cattle. Uh, we've got to we we got to make sure that the that the hog farms, even the largest hog farms, are going to have an opportunity to make some money. So this this is uh, it, it's it's a demand driven, supply sensitive market that we're into right now just simply because the higher prices haven't done much to slow down use to this point. And I'm, I'm not sure what does right now. Right. You mentioned the livestock and I wanted to go there. You know, you and I have been on some different calls and, and panels with folks. And I know that I was brought on cause I, you know, I farm and, and have cattle as well as crops. And back in early April, I think I said something about well, livestock producers, you know, the feed costs are going up, but we've seen a rise in prices. And boy, since, <laughs> since that, yeah. Uh, that that market has has tumbled. I mean, you look at the oh, the Merck and feeder cattle, live cattle going down. So, what happens on this livestock side? Because the feed costs are certainly not getting any right. cheaper. So, right. how do we rectify this situation? Or are we going to see people have to exit because they just can't survive it? <laughs> that there's there's going to be if we don't see live cattle prices respond. A couple of things: if if live cattle prices don't respond and feed prices hang out 
you know, north of $7 on corn. Um, <laughs> one of two things has to happen. Either that live cattle market has to to react or, and I'm talking about the cash market, or, or uh, I, calves might be free by, <laughs> by this fall. And I hate to say that, but uh, the feeder cattle market is, is, has, has been taking a hit, but boy, the, the pressure that we would see on feeder cattle going into this fall would just be something terrible. The, so I got to believe that we're going to see some strength or we would see strength come into the live cattle market. Packer margins, Andrew, they're like 800 bucks a head on cattle. It, it's just, it, it's, it's mind blowing to me that we can't move some of that, that profit down the supply chain and get it into the feed yard. It, it, it because feed yards, well, what they're probably, they're probably losing somewhere, what, 50, 100, 100 bucks a head on cattle right now? It's oh, a yeah. tough situation. Sure. Well, and this brings up the topic that is always a topic, <laughs> yeah. which would take more than, than one show by far of how yeah. does that happen? Because this has been talked about, you know, all the talk about the, the Packers make all the money. Wow, yeah. that, that uh, is certainly the case right now with the numbers that you're throwing out there. Oh man, and I didn't think that I, I didn't think we'd still be talking about the Tyson fire and Holcomb at this point. I thought that 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 would be a okay. At, we we've at least got all that cleaned up. But really, when you talk to the to the feed yard managers and and others in the industry. They keep going back to that fire and saying that's when the the inventory was first disrupted. And then you throw on top of it the pandemic and the, the processing disruptions. And we've we are dealing with a uh, an inventory, a feedlot inventory out there that that we just I, <clears throat> I guess we just can't get current on it. And some of these cattle coming out of the north are huge, man. So they've been delaying and delaying and delaying and delaying, trying to get some some um, uh, leverage on the feed yard side in the northern market. And it's just not happening. It just gets to a point where they finally say, you know what, they got to go. It may be anecdotal evidence, and it certainly takes too a long time for some of this to come through. But the numbers of people I keep hearing about – starting small locker plans, starting, you know, yeah. some ways to do this. I mean, this is the time where you're hearing more of it. Now, how much of that happens and how soon it happens and how much of an impact, I, I don't know. But I'm sure you're probably hearing the same thing in a lot of places. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and I've, I've been tracking some of the startups on direct-to-consumer beef sales uh, on, online. And the uh, these are startups. And their early success is quite astounding how they are uh, how they are able to move product at uh, that that's going to generate more revenue for them than if they sold the the fat cattle but they're still offering it at a price that is very attractive to the consumer 
compared to uh, the the meat case at, at the grocery store. And then you sprinkle in a little bit of the, oh, and by the way, it's great to have a relationship with the guy that's that's growing my meat. Um, you, you sprinkle some of that into it. And the success of these startups is, is pretty impressive. Um, and we are bringing more shackle space on. And it's not just in a small way. We've got a couple of plants that by this time, yeah, yeah, by this time next year, there will be there will be another roughly 1,500 head per day capacity in the industry. So that's a long time to wait to get some leverage in the feed yards, but we may have to wait that long. Right. It takes time for those types yeah. of things. Right. Yeah. Right. Let's jump back over to the crop side because – Something you mentioned there earlier was is that you didn't see a lot of selling from the commercial grain buyers, which makes you believe that there aren't a lot of farmers that are out there going ahead and pricing their 2021 right. crop. So is that because we as farmers think, hey, hey, hey I just wait and it keeps going up? Or yeah. is that because it's become pretty hard, I think, to make some sales? You know, I could go out and sell some, and, and we've already sold some for fall delivery. But if you want to go and then buy a call option or something to protect yourself, the the, the amount of money you will spend is yeah. <laughs> quite large to do that. And so is yeah. that dissuading people from doing it as well? Because it's hard to take any action on the board if you do want to go ahead and sell the physical uh, commodity. Right, right. I think that's a big part of it. Everybody, eh, I shouldn't say everybody, most, including me, have been preaching that you got to maintain some flexibility in your pricing. So if you do make that cash sale, you should be reowning with a call option because there's still powder left in the keg. We just don't know if it's going to blow or not. Uh, and if it does blow, you're going to want to be on board for potentially another two and a half dollar move or something like that. So I think, I, I think maybe we need to be looking at some call spreads and I'm not talking about ratio spreads. I'm just talking about if, if you are buying a call option that is 20 cents above the market, just to, to try to bring your cost down a little bit, maybe you look 60 cents above the market and sell that call option uh, to help reduce your cost of entry on, on the, the, the call that's closer to the money. Um, do things like that. Now, I, I, I don't like, I do not like buying a call option close to the money and say, sell two above the market. Uh, don't do that. Not in this kind of an environment because, uh, you can, you can be losing a penny as the market goes up. If you get into something like that and I just, no, avoid that, avoid those ratio spreads. We've certainly had some weather concerns here, but we've not seen the 2012 type of drought conditions. We have yeah, some yeah. drought. Is that because we have so much room left that we could have a crop disaster and haven't experienced it yet? Is that why you think people think it, it could get that high? Yeah, yeah, that's that's it. That's that's exactly right. And uh, um, you, with, with the amount of demand that is anticipated in the market, we cannot. And we've said this in the past, and, and for the most part, it's true. We cannot have a, a crop issue with the amount of demand that, that is is kind of penciled in for the 2021-22 marketing year. We've, uh, 
we've got to have a good crop and if and even if we do have a good crop andrew it doesn't change the carryover situation that much that i would start thinking okay instead of six dollar december corn futures we need to start talking about four dollar uh december futures no if 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 we get if 30 days from now things are looking good yeah you got to back december corn off but it's a 550 market it's not a four dollar market right right well that's what i was going to say because it seems like that if we do have good weather here we still have enough of these other factors in place that we don't go straight to the bottom we we still have some sort of footing back there because we have too many other factors that seem that will hold that market is that what you think that's yes that's exactly right exactly right yeah and so in the the, and and not insignificant in in that not insignificant in that is the the recovery from the shut the economic shutdown uh i i had this conversation earlier with one of the guys on the afternoon show um that in the past we have talked about pent-up demand and how everybody anticipates pent-up demand from this or from that or whatever and then you get you get into that time period and you think to yourself well that was kind of disappointing i guess there really wasn't that much pent-up demand in the market i i don't think that is the case this time around andrew there (laughs) is a deep desire among the consumers in this country to get back out and and uh, and make things happen. Now, does that mean that they're going to eat two steaks instead of one or two pork chops instead of one? No. But they're going to create more opportunities to have a steak and to have a pork chop. And that's the kind of thing that that we need to be aware of. And it's uh, it's going to mean travel. And that's going to mean more ethanol consumption. That's going to mean more biodiesel consumption. That's uh, that's good up and down the line, man. Chip, we have about a minute left here. So yeah. you've already alluded to this, but any advice that you would give both on the crop side and the livestock side of what to do at this price point? Because we are headed into some very new territory. We've been there before, but it's been a long time. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Back following the 1995-96 market that we had where it was, yeah, a short crop of 95, but big demand year in the the 95-96 marketing year. A little bit of a planning delay in 1996 gave us a pretty dynamic market. And following that, we developed something that we call the trap strategy, where you identify lines of resistance above the market. And every time that that the market crosses one of those lines, you increase the amount that you are willing to sell if the market closes back below that that level. So on the way up in December corn futures, you make your way you make your way through $5 and you're willing to sell 10%. You make your way through five and a quarter. Now I'm willing to sell another 20%. So the first time it closes below five and a quarter, you'd sell 30%. Now on the way up, 575, geez, at that, I'm willing to sell another 30%. So the market goes up, goes up, goes up. You haven't made a sale yet. It goes through 575. Now I'm willing to sell 60% on the first close below that. It, it traps 
as much of the rally as you can use. I'd use that strategy. It keeps you from getting more bullish as prices go up because you're increasing the amount that you're willing to sell. You'll never sell the high with this strategy, but you'll get most of it. And all of us want to hit the high. We, we love to look back and say, why did I miss the <laughs> whatever right. it was? We, we never can hit it, but it's, you've got to trap some of it. Good, good idea. Yep. Chip, I always yep. appreciate the time. I know a lot of folks are listening to you on AgriTalk, and they can catch you live on the radio, but also on the podcast, too. Always appreciate the time, and we'll see where the market's heading from here. Sounds great, Andrew. Thanks, buddy. These markets are certainly at levels we've not seen for about nine years. Someone who raises both crops and cattle, the numbers are having an impact in a number of ways. It's difficult to know exactly what to think and how to market but I did like Chip's trap strategy that he shared on the grain side. We now have over half of our corn in the ground on our farm, but have not planted any beans yet. We've seen regular rains over an inch in the last week. As Chip mentioned, I hear of some places that would like to have the moisture, so I guess I'm glad we've had some rain, although I know we want to get the rest of this crop in soon, but that can happen pretty quickly with just a few days of drier weather. Be sure to connect with myself and Farm in the Countryside on Facebook, as well as our daily American Countryside broadcasts on Facebook, Twitter, or your local radio station. I've enjoyed hearing from folks across the country sharing their thoughts on these topics. I'll catch you next time on Farm in the Countryside. This edition of Farm in the Countryside has been brought to you by Pivot Bioproven. Get what you paid for, the nitrogen that stays put, whether or not. Learn more at pivotbio.com.